0: prison staff across Stephen Colbert. the nation are preparing for an influx of upset and confused Mar-a-Lago bedbugs. President Trump is yelling to that that is truth social. These four
1: horrible mm-hmm. radical left Democrat investigations of your all-time favorite president, me, is just me. a continuation of the most disgusting witch hunt in the history of our country. But they're not coming after me, they're coming after you. I'm just standing in their way
0: trump there calling on his followers to lay down their lives for the sacred cause of him not having to pay a small fine meanwhile trump's allies on fox news are rushing to his defense saying our overachieving obsessed society must stop demanding perfection for porn star hush payments a new york
2: activist da goes after trump for Uh, essentially what is you know a, a nuisance payment a
3: bookkeeping charge
4: bookkeeping error it has so clearly been weaponized to target a single individual
0: that's right democratic district attorneys are way too uptight about crime they need to chill out and relax unless we're talking about poor people in which case it's judgment day
4: democrats continue to demonstrate they're soft on crime
0: crime is out of control progressive district attorneys and they're
4: soft on crime policies. Soft on crime policies. Soft on crime. Soft on crime. Soft on crime. Soft on crime. DAs in Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, all have been accused of being soft on crime. Of
0: course, Fox News believes New York is soft on crime. Just look at how many sex criminals have evaded justice within their own building. Joining me now is Democratic strategist briefly pausing from designing a Lauren Sanchez for President poster, Lydia Parker. Good evening. Chief Washington Bureau Chief who recently told a first date that his therapeutic shoe inserts were on back order, Jonathan Keene. Hello. Chief field correspondent who's still a little shaken up from grabbing the wrong mom's hand at Chuck E. Cheese, James Smartwood Jr. Hey, Dad. And host of MSNBC's Way Too Early and Politico White House Bureau Chief, Jonathan Lemire. Thank you for staying up past 6 a.m. to be with us, Jonathan. I'm exhausted. Absolutely, I get it. Now, Jonathan, explain how the Manhattan District Attorney can be both an overreaching authoritarian intent on prosecuting petty crimes and a do-nothing bum who refuses to prosecute petty crimes.
5: Yeah, the Republican talking points are not always coherent on Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. and Of course, he's the subject of their ire because he is the prosecutor who is bringing charges against Donald Trump. Uh, This is a first. We have never had a president, either while in office or after office, be charged with a crime, be the center of so many criminal investigations. And there are, of course, political ramifications to this as well, since Donald Trump, already president once, has declared his candidacy again. Mm -hmm. Many people think that, at least in the Republican primary, his poll numbers are only going to go up after a potential indictment. You know, charging Trump will just help him politically instead democrats should give him a pass and watch as he crumbles under the weight of his legendary guilt complex
4: also if you charge him how will the three fox and friends hosts squeeze into the little booth when they do the show just for him the real question
0: is will don the real question Thanks is will it.
4: don junior relent to his father's pleas to wear
0: his face and go to jail for him it's a good question Hold on a second here now. Hold on, Junior, I understand you have breaking news. That's right, Dad. As you know, this marks the first time a
4: former president has been indicted and the former presidents are panicked.
0: But, Junior, no former president has done anything remotely like Donald Trump here. Yes, they've done far worse. Let's go live to George
4: W. Bush, who is speeding toward the southern border, panicked that he will be held accountable for the hundreds of thousands of
0: innocent Iraqi citizens that were killed. Wow, look at that. Truly a harrowing time for the powerful. Thank you so much for that update. Hold
4: on, President Obama is also making a run for it, concerned he'll be charged for the errant drone strikes.
0: Oh my God, that cannot be good for his film, slate.
4: And now we're getting word that Jimmy Carter, out of an abundance of caution, has commandeered a commercial airliner headed for South America. You don't build that many houses unless you need places to lay
0: low. Jonathan, you're at the White House right now. Is there any helicopters hovering over the residents, ladder dangling just above a panic, Joe and Jill? To this point, no, President Biden.
5: Uh, and the First Lady are inside the building, no sign of an escape to Wilmington, Delaware or beyond. You know, Biden
0: should be concerned, though. It can't possibly be legal to imprison a generation for carrying weed. Hold on, I'm hearing Ronald Reagan Jr. is getting his father's corpse
4: into international waters before it's arrested for ignoring the AIDS crisis. Look at that. And of course, I think we all saw this coming. There's Bill Clinton highly agitated about his numerous unspeakable crimes fleeing on foot.
0: Mm, He's clearly been training for this. Odd transfer Choice as he has twenty four seven access to the Epstein jet. Yeah, you can't run to you can't run to Little St James. Oh, I'm sure Slick Willie could talk a dolphin into giving him a ride, but let's wrap it there. <laughs>
5: I'm mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
6: right now. Hey, Ari, any big legal news you're following? You know, this and that, Alicia, this and that. Uh, we'll see you out here. Thanks for pulling the extra hours. You got it. Absolutely. Welcome to the beat. We are following some big legal news. I am Ari Melbourne, and here we are. Let me start like this. One day later, and Donald Trump's prediction of his own indictment and arrest has not occurred, which is why we've always followed the facts and the evidence in this still quite hot, escalating legal story. We don't follow the claims, the predictions, or self-serving pronouncements. Whatever drove Trump to claim, he knew what was coming was not, as of tonight, the whole entire or accurate picture. Tonight, we do have some new reporting that the grand jury investigating Trump did not meet at all today. This is one of the days when it can regularly meet, and initially it was scheduled to do so, but it did not. And then we have new developments that cross just in the last 10 or 15 minutes, so you may be hearing it for the very first time right now, a bit of developing legal news i wouldn't call this giant breaking news but it's interesting because we're tracking every piece of this nbc news now reporting according to two sources that the grand jury will be back in session tomorrow and it may hear from at least one more witness before being asked to vote that detail courtesy of the new york times so we didn't get any new witnesses today and obviously if they didn't meet no kind of votes today the da is clearly continuing to work on And so if you put to the side the speculation, here is what did happen at the start of this week, because even without the indictment that Donald Trump proclaimed was coming, we can see a lot of things happening. There is a reason the whole country and really pockets of other parts of the whole world are now watching to see whether Donald Trump is indicted. So here it is. This week, the grand jury heard from the kind of rebuttal witness that often signals this process is near its conclusion whether that is days or weeks. That witness then went public with that harsh and at times quite unprofessional attack on another key witness, Michael Cohen. And Cohen's counsel said, Mr. Cohen will be stepping back from TV interviews. And this case, which has been kicking around since at least 2018, is coming back into more view with more details and more characters who are flushed out of the open. And that's because it's clear that Trump thinks Whatever the risk of rehashing all this, and remember, he went to great lengths to keep all this secret. He paid money through Mr. Cohen to keep all this secret. So whatever the risk of rehashing it all in public and bringing these different people out on his behalf, he feels he is lower than the risk of not trying to take one final attack on a process that he does still maintain will lead to his indictment.
5: She's the woman whose name is splashed across headlines all over the world. You know, none of this bodes well for the president. I've been saying that for a long time.
7: We have breaking news just now. Former President Donald Trump posting on Truth Social that he will
2: be arrested Tuesday. He's
4: hoping to create fear that there'll be another January 6th type
2: event. Anticipation is incredibly high. Will a grand jury decide to indict former President Donald Trump?
6: My only mission there today was to tell the truth about what Michael Cohen was saying at any point in time okay so very much like most of everything that came out of his mouth he lacks for any sense of veracity here
7: we arrest public officials all the time in this country and under the law there's nothing magical about being a former president nbc news has confirmed that the grand jury that has been investigating the payments did not meet today
6: there we are all the way up to the most recent hour of msnbc so if trump started this week trying to take control of the timeline, that has already failed. If he thought he would spark a major uprising or worse by talking up protests in the shadow of a January 6th gathering that did turn violent, he failed. So far, there have actually been few people in the street, everyone has a right to speak or criticize any of this process wherever they peacefully meet, but even that has been lackluster. And that's... Is true as well on Trump's chosen day of Tuesday. We've monitored this. Indeed, there was interest in New York, Florida, and around the country. There just weren't a lot of big gatherings. And by doing that before any such indictment or arrest, he also, Donald Trump, brought out a fissure within his party. Because the highest-ranking Republican in government, someone with actual power, told supporters to stay home. So you take it all together as we show you where we've gotten. The grand jury is continuing to meet on its timeline. It is doing its process. It's hearing including from Trump allied witnesses as part of the fact gathering for those grand jurors. If and when there is an indictment, what do we know? Well, in a way, Donald Trump, with regard to the PR and the protests, as he put them, he's already played himself. We know that the day this actually comes, if it looks anything like Tuesday, where the people who believe what Donald Trump says, who do what Donald Trump says, those people... Well, they showed us what their reaction was on Tuesday. Not much yet. I want to bring in Neil Kotchall, the former acting solicitor general under the Obama administration, and Asha Rangappa, former FBI special agent and lawyer. Uh, Neil, I walk through that because sometimes what we do in law and in, in journalism is note certain things, right? We note that someone said something that may be untrue. We add a fact to it. And then we have to move forward almost washing our hands, or in this case, washing my proverbial brain, of whatever that uh, informational garbage was. And so we're trying to keep an eye, and I'd love your help with this tonight, Neil, to kick us off here on what it means on the factual side, that they didn't meet today, that they are meeting tomorrow, that the Times reports there may be another witness. Uh, I think they could take more time. I don't think they have hundreds of witnesses uh, left. Um, But your thoughts on the facts here?
5: Yeah, so I think, Ari, it's not surprising that Donald Trump said something that was untrue, which is he'll be indicted on Tuesday. That turned out not to be right. That doesn't mean that an indictment now is not going to happen. I suspect looking at the tea leaves, it looks like things are heading towards an indictment. And the question is timing and what those charges will look like. Now, to be sure, the grand jury was scheduled to meet today. In general, they meet on Wednesdays, but they didn't today. Um, You could read into that something as mundane as just a scheduling conflict or one of the 23 grand jurors had to bring their kid to school or whatever, something like that. Or it could be something more significant, like the grand jury has new evidence that might that might have to hear or new arguments, new legal arguments that the prosecutors want to develop. It could be something that dramatic. Given what the news is about that we're reporting now that the grand jury is meeting tomorrow, it feels like this is a mundane scheduling thing and not much else. And so I expect this to move toward a conclusion uh, pretty soon.
6: Asha, what do you see in what we know about the witnesses? Because they've had others in there. They had Mr. Cohen in there. Uh, Costello will get to, uh, and they say now they may have one or, or or some small number left.
7: Well, Ari, the Manhattan DA's office had to have thought through its legal theory very carefully and about how it's going to present all of its information. It's very hard for me to imagine, I mean, I it's possible, but that at this 11th hour, it would get derailed by, you know, some new witness. Um, you know, it may be that, as Neil said, you know, they need to now present something else, um, or maybe they might be changing their legal theory. It's not clear what they might have heard from Costello, um, but It seems that it's proceeding apace, and I think we have been thrown off by Trump's statement that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday, and we have to remember he is an information warrior, and he wants to control the narrative. That might have been a test balloon to see how many people show up for him. I'm sure he made a lot of money uh, from that statement, and so I think the DA is just proceeding apace at this point.
6: Yeah, that makes sense to both of you and sort of being sober about that. Uh, We mentioned Bob Costello. He's a Trump ally. He appeared at their request. Then he went forward after, as I mentioned, that Monday testimony uh, and went after Michael Cohen in public. Michael Cohen told us that he was approached by Stormy Daniels' lawyer. And
1: Stormy Daniels had negative information that she wanted to put in a lawsuit against Trump. So he sat with the lawyer for Stormy Daniels. They negotiated a non-disclosure agreement
6: for $130,000. Well, he went to jail, and now he's on the revenge tour. That's Mr. Costello. We've reported on that. Now, today he put out a statement where he claims that he has thrown a wrench into the process. He has his theories about the grand jury. He is, of course, a witness among many. He doesn't have any other larger governing power here. As for Mr. Cohen, as we mentioned, his lawyer, Lanny Davis, says he advised Michael not to do any more TV appearances until further notice. Uh, and as I bring back the guests, I'll mention um, Neil, that uh, Costello in his statement today refers to uh, things Michael Cohen told me. I don't necessarily think we need to go deep into those weeds, uh, but Cohen says that he didn't waive attorney-client privilege, he didn't have a retainer agreement with this guy in the first place. This guy, Mr. Costello, says the opposite. Um, They're scuffling there, presumably, uh, in the grand jury because Costello's rebutting what Cohen has previously said, and they're doing it in public. Uh, My question for you in the spirit of tonight is how much, if any, of that would matter Um, to the grand jury process?
5: So, first of all, Ari, I'm almost losing track of just how many attorneys of Trump's and uh, Trump's acolytes are testifying before different grand juries in both New York and Washington, D.C., and like. It's it's really quite astounding to me. Um, now, I think the most important point about Michael Cohen is that, you know, the testimony, this case uh, that Alvin Bragg is looking into does hinge a bit on Michael Cohen. And the most important fact about Michael Cohen is that he went to jail already for the same allegations that right. Bragg is uh, investigating about the hush money, that these weren't legitimate payments and the like. And he went to jail because the Trump Justice Department said it was a crime and put him there. So when you hear all this stuff of Costello or others saying, oh, I threw a monkey wrench into this and that, Remember they're swimming up tide because there's a huge, huge you know barrier to saying, oh, there was no crime, which is Trump's own Justice Department concluded there was a crime back a few years ago. Now, with respect to Costello's statement that he you know threw a monkey wrench in, I suppose it's possible um, that that's the case. I, I suspect it's not, and this is more bloviating, but the grand jury box is a secret institution. We you know the only things we know f- about it, or the things that people who were hauled before it voluntarily say to say But it voluntarily say outside of court and, and to the media, to us, and the like. But the prosecutors aren't going to talk about what's going on in the grand jury, and so we're going to have to wait.
6: Yeah, and I'll reiterate, we've invited Mr. Costello on this program. Uh, we've had plenty of folks from all sides of, the, of this uh, set of legal cases. Uh, including Trump's representation in New York last week and in Georgia this week, um, so in that sense, Mr. Costello is a little bit behind. If he if he wants to measure up here uh, and do what Mr. Cohen and others have done, come in and take some questions. Let's let's talk it through. He also says he has documents. We'd love to see them. Um, so he seems, to some degree, Asher, like doing a little bit of that thing of, oh, I've got this special stuff. I just can't show it to you. I showed it to somebody else. I, I can't take questions on it. Uh, but again, if he if he's willing to come through, we'd love to talk to him. The other piece, Asha, is New York uh, provides for this uh, type of witness for a potential defendant. Not every uh, system is exactly the same throughout our 50 states and and many other localities. And so I'm curious what you think um, the DA will do here to the extent that they heard, I think, some version, uh, the, the jurors heard some version of what Mr. Costello said in public.
7: Yes, what I heard from that statement that you played from Costello is an intimation towards a a defense that we've heard floated from Trump, uh, that Stormy Daniels approached them and that, you know, there's this idea that she might have been extorting them or something. And in many ways, I think this seems to be advantageous to the DA because it sort of gives a preview into what this witness is going to say and what kind of defense Trump may have in mind or might be trying to play up. And so, you know, I I think in that regard, that can be very helpful to the DA. And as you said, we don't know what else he said that uh, Bragg may need to respond to or rebut.
6: Yeah. Uh, Well, that's all the stuff that we're following, Asha and Neil, thanks to both of you. We have a lot coming up in the program. Tucker Carlson on defense for admitting in secret, which has now been exposed that he hates Trump. He has a new response. Mar-a-Lago is a place where Donald Trump DJs while musing about his arrests, how to brand it, how to fundraise off it. It's a wild New York Times story, to be honest. We're going to get into that tonight. But first, an expert on the actual New York charge that Trump could face when we're back in just 60 seconds. So the work never stopped, uh, and we, we we're going to continue to do that. And there may be, um, I don't know, I don't want to get ahead of the facts, but there may be other moments when we can you know, report out publicly. In fact, I've committed to doing that when we reach uh, a conclusion, whether that's by indictment or some other uh, way of closing the investigation. With regard to Mr. Trump. With regard to Mr. Trump. There you have it. That was the sitting D.A., Alvin Bragg, when he joined us just three months ago. A lot has clearly happened since then. The legal and political world on edge after Donald Trump predicted his own arrest in New York, while his lawyers filed this new attack in a Georgia court. We heard from one of them last night. Trump's side lost another huge blow in the classified documents case in D.C. If New York does move first, it could be the lowest or most kind of minor potential crime of all these probes it's a case that boils down to falsifying business records that's not nothing but it's not a violent insurrection and as the days have gone by since trump predicted his own arrest would happen yesterday which it didn't as i've mentioned tonight some are arguing the new case doesn't sound like a serious charge so just put donald trump's defenders aside they're going to say what they're going to say even some of his critics like never trump or bill crystal questioning the business records case in New York right here on The Beat. Convicting him, what, six years later for something that happened eight years before that, when he paid harsh money, basically, to cover something up, when John Edwards did sort of did something comparable and didn't get convicted, I think it's going to be very hard. So that's one view of the case. And some of this may all sound quite dry, but let's be clear, according to the law, the charge would not be any kind of outlier. False business records charges are the bread and butter of the New York Da's office. That's how the Times put it today. And that's exactly what a veteran of the Da's office before this Times article out uh, article came out told us.
7: I know that it can sometimes seem as if these are technical crimes, but in fact, they are serious. And this is the bread and butter of the DA's office. This is how we hold powerful people to account. What what is
6: is the bread and butter?
7: These these statutes that make it so that it's a crime to lie on your business records, and especially if you're doing it in order to commit some other kind of crime.
6: There you have it. So people who don't follow this office or New York might have a kind of politicized or Trumpian view about what a big crime is and there's also a separate question over whether anyone should be allowed to use an insurrection as a means to argue down other bad things they may have done when you keep hearing this term bread and butter that means this is as standard as the bread and butter you might get at a new york diner that it is part of the standard operating procedure now let's put the food analogies to the side if you are on the east coast getting ready for dinner i hope i haven't made you too hungry but Take a look at the facts. In the brief time since Bragg took office, prosecutors there have filed 117 felony counts of this exact charge over the last year. Bread and butter. Now we want to go to the source for someone who knows all about this. Dan Horowitz is a former Manhattan assistant DA focusing on complex white collar crimes, including these kind of crimes. He also, we should know, served on the transition team. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, you are one of the most uh, experienced, skilled people to discuss exactly this. So I'm really glad you're here tonight. Well, that's what my kids think too. So yeah? Thanks for having okay, me. Okay, your kids agree with the bar. I don't, exactly. know, I don't know how informed uh, they are as legal experts, but that's great. You look at this, do you agree with what others have said, that this is a standard operating crime? I I, I do,
1: I do, and I was in that office for almost 10 years prosecuting complex white-collar cases, and, and, you know, you you indicated the stats under D.A. Bragg. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I brought many falsifying business record cases. Um, It is the bread and butter. And and part of what makes the crime insidious, and, and I wouldn't get caught up in whether it's a... A felony or a B felony or an E felony. It's a felony. That's a serious crime. And for most people, um, for you and me, and I guarantee you for most of the audience watching, if they were asked, would you like to be convicted of a felony, I guarantee you, even if it's a low-level felony, I guarantee you the answer would be no. So it's a felony. It's serious. And what makes this crime particularly insidious is that you're not just falsifying records of your own company or the institution where you're working, but you're doing it with an intent to commit another crime. Now, in this particular case, it would seem, and, and we'll see where the grand jury comes out, that the crime that the false the false records were linked to, is one of either tax fraud um, for not properly characterizing the, the payoff money as a business deduction, or as a violation of New York's criminal campaign statutes. And I would suggest to you that those are two crimes that implicate the public trust. You're talking about the public fisc, a tax crime, and campaign finance. You're talking about the integrity of the process. You're
6: saying the stakes are high when you look at this alleged crime on top of the context. When you bring a case like this, what kind of evidence do you typically have? Well, you have witnesses and you have documents.
1: Obviously, it goes without saying it's a records case, so you need records, you need records to show that the, that the entries were false, and you need witnesses to explain that, so you need somebody to talk about how does the business operate, uh, what do we put in our books and records ordinarily, and you need evidence to show why those yeah. entries were false right. and you also need somebody or witnesses and evidence to link to that other crime
6: let me run a hypothetical by sure. you because i think you're the guy i mean you are the guy here Uh let's say that you put a hundred thousand plus uh towards your lawyer and your lawyer does something and all of that money goes to somebody else say an adult film star and you say well yeah but my lawyer billed me i paid my lawyer after that, it's out of my hands. What is the defense? Uh, what's the level of that defense is in, in your office? How, how worried would you be about that defense? So, so that's a great question
1: because that's obviously, I think, going to be one of the defenses if, in fact, they— Dan, yeah, I said hypothetical. Right. So we're talking hypothetical. The answer is you're going to have anticipated that because you have to link the evidence of the false record and the intent to commit the other crime. But I'm asking you, how strong is that defense? I I think that under the circumstances, from what I've seen in the case and reading in the papers and the the, the Michael Cohen plea, Mm -hmm. you've got an insider who had a front row seat, so exactly what happened, and you would need, under New York state law, you've got to have corroborating evidence. But is
6: that a strong or weak defense?
1: That is a common defense, having represented executives. Is it strong or weak or medium? Is it strong? It depends on the witnesses and the evidence and well how about in this case i would say in this case i think that under the circumstances from what we know hypothetically yeah. about the person we're talking about this is somebody who is intimately involved in the operations of their organization a small organization with a limited number of people so is it it's weak
6: to say i had no idea if you i did. would say That it is not a particularly compelling. Okay, so that's defense number one. In all seriousness, someone at a very large company where there's a million things going on might be able to distance themselves from a false. Absolutely. Here, you're making the point that this involved them personally. It's not, oh, there was some lighting bill for some other subsidiary. It's sort of their own life, and they were involved and they paid it back. Now, let me bring you to number two. That's one defense, right? Another defense is, and again, I mentioned we try to hear from everybody. Uh, Donald Trump's New York lawyer, Mr. Takapina, said, even if it was misleading, it's not really a good enough business record for you to use back when you were doing these kind of cases. You're already smiling. I'm going to play you. Mr. Tucker, I mean, Tagarbina it says it's not really a. Go ahead. I don't even know what that means. Okay, what do you, let me show what do you. you. Mean, what do you mean it's not a good business record? Well, let me show you because this is why we're doing it. What do you mean? He says if it's personal and it's private and it's not really business, it's like writing something down. Like you bought a horse. Take a take a listen to. Sorry. That. Okay. Even if you
7: put in your
1: checkbook or I put, I'll use me as an example, I put in my checkbook, I bought a car and I wrote, uh, I, I purchased a horse. Mm-hmm. That's, that's inaccurate. That's a lie, maybe. But there's no crime there because there, this filing was not for the purpose
6: of influencing an election. To me, if they're pursuing this matter, it's weaponizing the justice system to keep this guy out of office. He says it's like a checkbook, private note, not a business record that you could charge.
1: Yeah, well, I, I couldn't disagree more strongly with Joe Tacopina on this. It's a business record. You're writing a check for the company. Um, that is a business record. And there's hundreds of years of law that say that. In New York, under the federal system, you look at other states that have similar statutes. This is just not even a question. I mean, the fact that we're actually having It sounds like
6: you think, I will not put words in your mouth. It sounds like you think that type, I showed in first defense we talked about, it, it sounds like you think that second defense is sort of almost silly or, or, or beneath discussion. I, I just think it's laughable. Laughable, because if, if paying for something in your business isn't a business record,
1: Then what is a business? Yeah, I mean, I think the first defense, as I said a minute ago, it is a common defense for defense lawyers representing executives. And and you said it yourself in a large company. There's a lot that goes on. People get CC'd on email chains. Right. That's not the organization that we're talking about, which is why I think that particular defense is not so
6: compelling under the circumstances. And you know what Sean Carter, Jay-Z said? What's that? Do you know? I do not. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman, now let me handle my business, Dan. And if you are the business, if you're Jay-Z, you're the business, you're Trump or you are Trump or I think you're going to have legally a harder time disassociating yourself from your business records,
1: man. I couldn't couldn't agree more. Um,
6: I appreciate you coming on because you're one of the real experts on this. We go to the experts. I hope you come back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hi to your kids, Dan Horowitz. We have a lot coming up, including a judge. Ruling against basically the lawyer who is trying to help Donald Trump out of his classified documents jam. Now the lawyer's in a jam, and there may be tapes. And Trump insiders say he's so disconnected from how bad the legal problems are that he is now just DJing off his Spotify playlist in Mar-a-Lago. Everything I just said is literally true in The New York Times. We'll explain with some very special guests Thanks. The possible indictment of a former president is big news. And that former president has hyped his own arrest, which did not come on the day he chose yesterday. Now, top outlets, like, say, the New York Times, are putting this story, still important, but below the fold today. A sign that the undeniably huge development will be huge if or when it comes, but it's not even the New York Times' top story as the world waits. I mention that because the paper still has several different stories and angles on this prospect today, including one with this remarkable lead, reading from the Times, quote, Donald J. Trump claims he's ready for his perp walk. It draws on accounts that Trump is telling people he welcomes the idea of being paraded for any perp walk and is mulling whether he should style and smile, I should say, in his own style, and whether or how to brand any commotion when that day does come, if it comes. Now, legally, in New York, a perp walk is unlikely under standard procedure if the arraignment is cooperative. Trump's been bracing for all this after decades of legal problems, so criminal investigations that date back to the 70s, clashes with the IRS and other regulators, his reliance on the infamous lawyer Roy Cohn, of course, his clashes with the DOJ as president. So there's a lot to choose from, and a lot of times that he has evaded the ultimate punishment. Now, the New York Times article also details some recent scenes of Mar-a-Lago to reinforce reporting that Trump seems actually significantly disconnected from the severity of his potential woes the times reports on a recent evening where trump acted as dj at a party with his personally curated spotify playlists known favorites include the rolling stones and family of the opera now the fact is donald trump wouldn't really be the first dj to try to rock a crowd while eyeing trouble with the law But the larger point, according to his aides, is that he's gotten away so many times he might not understand that getting indicted criminally would be different, at least at the start of the process, than all those other times. He is also, meanwhile, trying to get his own fans and supporters to send him money based on the potential indictment and casting this as a branding opportunity, according to reporting. So as we look at all the aspects of this, we are thrilled to bring back a friend of the show you may recall from so many Trump-era scandals. Barbara Rez was a Trump-org executive. Her most recent book is Tower of Lies, what my 18 years working with Donald Trump reveals about him, and she is a tried-and-true New Yorker. We are also joined by former Watergate prosecutor Nick Ackerman. Welcome to both of you. you. Thank you. Barbara, he's talking about his perp walk, which may or may not happen, with his aides, and he wants to, quote, brand this. What do you see here?
2: But it's typical Donald Trump. He takes lemons and turns of into lemonade.
6: And can this become lemonade?
2: Yeah, I think so. For, from his po- point of view, yeah. yes, oh, wow. absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, he's uh, he, he's got this uh, look at me, I, I don't take any crap. I'll stand up to this guy, you know, and I, you know I, my supporters know that I'm not guilty. And to be honest with you, I think he sort of doesn't believe that it's happening. You know, or it's happening, but he doesn't believe that he is going to get hurt
6: you think he's in a denial
2: See, it's kind of a denial it's just this positive thinking thing that is, i mean ever since i know him it's always he believes in the power of
6: positive thinking Yeah, absolutely yeah. you know the kids nowadays they call that manifesting oh is that right? yeah they can manifest it uh-huh. if you believe it will come
2: yeah so i mean i, I think that he doesn't think that he's going to be uh, he probably acknowledges that he's going to be indicted but he doesn't think he's going to be convicted
6: one more question on the image of that before i bring in nick There are certain things that are harder to spin in life. It's certainly true uh, in Donald Trump, in business, in his media career, television, including NBC, ran The Apprentice for many years and you knew him, as well as in politics. He grasped that in a way that other people didn't. Uh, People can debate the the results of that and the harm potentially of that, but he did grasp that not everything they say is negative has to be negative. Absolutely. My question to you is, there are some things that are different. Uh, if you deal with a big enough scandal or crisis, if you deal with, a, for example, a legal crisis where you lose control, you're out of your own control, it's very hard to look, and I think Nick can speak to this next, very hard to look like you're powerful and in control when your literal liberty is at the control of to some degree the prosecutors in the pretrial period and then ultimately a jury of your peers do you think he knows how to brand that
2: yeah, I think he's already done it. I, you know, I've got the best lawyers. Uh, these, this is a witch hunt. Uh, it's politically motivated. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not guilty, and I won't be found guilty. That's that's the way he's treating it. it it's like It's not real. It's not, you know, something that will come into fruition. It's not, he's not responsible. And emotionally,
6: do you think? He'll be fine through this because it'll be like so many other things that he's clearly found his way through. I mean, there are people who would have gotten more panicked and stressed by things he was up against than him.
2: Yeah, well, you know, uh, I read something where they were saying, "Oh, he's, uh, you know, he's always afraid of being arrested," and uh, and he's really afraid. I I only saw him afraid once in my life. When, hmm, was, when was that? When he was looking at a potential personal bankruptcy in, in the early nineties, when when everything fell apart for him. and he was afraid of that. But I'm afraid of. I can't imagine him being afraid. How did he act when he was afraid? Quiet. He was pretty quiet. and he. I don't
6: understand. I haven't seen him quiet.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, he had this uh, dealmaker guy, uh, Steve back, who did all the deals with the bank and all that stuff. It wasn't Trump. It was all disgusting. And he let him run with it. And he listened to him. And he didn't contradict him. Really? So
6: you saw a deference that you never usually saw. Before I bring in Nick as well, I forgot to ask you. The Times says he's DJing Rolling Stones, fan of the opera. Does
2: that ring true to you? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you something funny. Uh, some, uh, Guns N' Roses was playing at the at the uh, plaza once, and, and Trump must have gotten wind of it. And he, there was a quote that he was playing, uh, and he was in his limo with the windows open, blasting Guns N' Roses. I guarantee you that Trump had no idea in the world who Axel Roses or what Guns N' Roses was. He just, you know, he picked it up. He the vibe. out. Just about it. Okay. Uh, Nick, your thoughts? Well, I, I'm sure he wasn't
3: playing Jailhouse Rock as a <laughs> DJ the other night. <laughs> that's but for look sure. at this guy. I love it. Um, I mean, look, this is serious. I mean, it's not just the indictment in New York. We're also talking about the indictment in Georgia, which is going to be a whole different level in terms of criminality. And you think that
6: could be coming? We'll put on the screen, Nick. There's several you can walk us through. Oh,
3: I, I think it's going to be coming mid-April. Um, what we didn't realize before, and I didn't, was that when the special grand jury came down, it was really right in the middle of when Fulton County had its two sitting grand juries in session. And the regular grand juries didn't start again until March 1st. So the D.A. in Fulton County really didn't have an opportunity Mm. to present until starting on March 1st. So it takes some time to put in this evidence and to educate a regular jury as to all of these facts that were found by the special grand jury.
6: And as we've told folks, you face off against Richard Nixon. Uh, he had his appeals to the silent majority. He had attacks on the press, just like Trump did. They're similar in some ways, different than others. When you've seen someone with a public following try to, as we said, brand this process, how do you think that works?
3: It didn't work very well for Richard Nixon. I mean, in the end, it was his closest supporters that showed up in the Oval Office led by Barry Goldwater, who was the yeah, staunch, like sort of staunch say staunch Branding
6: efforts failed. Um, I want to show you on the serious legal side what we did here. You mentioned the Georgia case. Um, this was the first time one of Trump's Georgia lawyers has come on MSNBC and made his defense. This was last night. I have several pieces of it and kind of a 40-second highlight. I wanted to get your legal analysis. Let's take a look we became public
4: when we heard from the four-person she kind of gave us a lens into what we were suspicious of Mm. which was just a
6: kind of a clown show in there was it a illegal and b wrong for him to try to steal the georgia results after the state had been duly certified
4: our client did not break any law how is
6: that not soliciting or
4: conspiring fraud? we are absolutely confident having looked at the evidence that our client has not violated Any of those. Do you acknowledge that Donald Trump lost Georgia? Yeah, so I'm sorry, I I am not gonna start getting into political statements.
6: But do you do you ignore that Donald Trump lost? Exactly, but that's what I stay focused on. Do you ignore that Donald Trump lost the Georgia election? I I'm I am That's a good that's an easy one. Do you acknowledge that,
3: Drew? No. No. Nick, first of all, the idea that there was anything wrong with that special grand jury. Or with what Emily Kors said to the press is totally off base and totally wrong. Uh, she was supported by Judge McBurney, who is the presiding judge, mm-hmm. who basically, when she was talking to uh, the press, she was reading from the rules that Judge McBurney set down, what she had to say. She stuck to those rules and she made it quite clear that she kept an open mind. She refused to even listen to any of the press reports about all of this during that time. In terms of whether Donald Trump did anything wrong, I mean, right from the get-go, he was lying both to the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, about the fact that he claimed that there was election fraud because dead people voted.
6: You think a lawyer can, can speak to the results there, or is that, quote, political?
3: No, of course. That's what he's got to argue to a jury. He's somehow got to come up with some way to get around the fact that his client lied about this whole series of events right and
6: lied in a way that may have induced fraud which is one of the big questions i did want to get you on that since you're here uh barbara new york bagels what's wait. the best what is the best place to get a new york bagel
2: it, it was um kind oh of place in there, across from the pier i not H and H. H and H. Right, yeah. there you
3: go. She asked the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you guys
6: came to it together. Maybe you're yeah. one H and she's right. the second. H and H? Yes. All right, shout out to H H because you know you want it a little crispy on the outside, but doughy in the middle. Oh, uh, there's
3: a good place up in the upper west side, too. I, I can't remember the name, but it's excellent. All right. Well maybe we'll ask our folks on our, on
6: online on social media by the end of the show. Barbara Rez, Nick Ackerman, on everything, including the bagels. Appreciate it. Coming up here. <laughs> We look at whether there are tapes in the classified document case. That's big. And Tucker Carlson, privately, secretly musing about how he hates Trump, and now he has a spin for it. But will it work? And what will happen in that billion-dollar case about lies? We have a lot more coming up. Stay with us.
8: Scaloni, Messi, لن يغيب عن منتخب الأرجنتين حتى يقول العكس. أكد, منتخ... أكد مدرب من منتخب الارجونتيني لكرة القدم ليونيل سكاروني يوم الثلاثاء عن القائد ليونيل ميسي مستمر في الدفاع عن ألوان بطل العالم حتى يقول عكس ذلك وقال سكاروني عن صانع ألعاب البالغ من العمر 35 عاما وخاض 172 مباراة دولية قبل يومين من المباراة الدولية الودية ضد بنما في بيونس آير آيرس الأولى منذ الفوز بلقب مونديال قطر. ميسي سيستمر في المجيء للدفاع عن ألوان الأرجنتين حتى يقو يقول غير ذلك. رأوا سعيدا داخل الملعب وداخل المنتخب وأوضح سكالوني الذي تم تمديد عقده حتى عام 2026 أن هدف مجموعته هو. الاستمرار في اللعب على المستوى نفسه يمكن أن نفوز يمكن أن نخسر لكن يجب أن نكون منتخبا يصعب الفوز عليه الآن سيكون الأمر أصعب من أي وقت مضى لأن جميع المنتخبات ستريد هزيمتنا وحتى رسكالوني لاعبيه المتوجهين باللقب العالمي من محاولة شعور بيرشيا مؤكدا أن هناك مرحلة جديدة تبدأ وأن الملعب هو الذي يتحدث وأن لا أحد سيتمتع بميزة كونه بطل العالم هناك شباب يبرزون نعتقد أنهم سيكونون قادرين على اللعب على مستوى عادل جدا والمحس كالوني إلى المهاجم الواعد لماشيستر يونتد انجليزي علي خاندرو الذي حرمته الإصابة من التواجد في معسك الأرجنتين لمباراتهما ضد بانما وكوراساو إلى جانب لاعب وسط برايتو الإنجليزي فاكوندو خونا نوتي ومدافع إتش الإسباني المعار كالي روساريو الأرجنتيني لوطارو بلانكو التلاتة يبلغون من العمر 18 عام